Welcome back, everyone, to After the Sermon Ends. We know that after the sermon ends, the conversations begin. Today, I am joined by Pastor Marcus Donaldson and a new special guest, Blake Hugley. How are you doing, guys? Doing good, doing good. Good. Yeah. Um, Blake, why don't you just give us a quick intro to yourself because you're brand new to the podcast, new new guest with us, and you're also kind of newer to City Church. Uh, why don't you give us an intro for the people? Yeah, so my name's Blake uh, Hogley. I'm actually kind of coming from CMC. Uh, met a lot of these people at CMC over the, the past few years and uh, been praying, and the Lord's led me to uh, City Church. So that's why we're there, and um, just interested to hear what uh, Pastor Marcus has to say. And of course, Josh, and uh, see if I can hold it together on this podcast here today, guys. Oh, I've heard your podcasting skills, and, and they're pretty good. So we need you to hold it together. <laughs> we need you to hold us together. There we go. <laughs> yeah, uh, Marcus is doing the first ever standing up podcast recording. Just a, a little look inside the studio here. Yes, and um, it's kind of throwing me off a bit, but we'll we'll get through it. Yeah, it's like a big a big giant shadow with a black shirt next to us right here. So they I took get, away the to that. the black chair with arms, the small one. Uh huh. And that one isn't very good. It's not conducive to like back comfort. Yeah. So for the comfort of Marcus's back, he's standing up today. So we'll see how that goes. But Marcus, you preached first um, Peter chapter three, verses 13 through 17 this past Sunday. Uh, why don't you give us a quick recap about it? Yep. A lot of what Peter has already said uh, and taught in this letter, he's, he's been talking about enduring unjust suffering. He's been pointing to, to Christ, not only as the example, but as really the Really, the the person who who suffered the the most, the worst, the most unjust sort of suffering that the world has ever known, and so as believers encounter the suffering in in their lives, right, unjust suffering, persecution for the sake of Christ, for righteousness' sake, they're to not only look to Christ but to model Christ, to follow in His steps, which is what uh, Peter said earlier, and then. In this passage, we see several principles, and I'll just talk about the first two, two or three just right off the top. The first is that doing good usually restrains hostility, and then the second is doing good will not always restrain hostility. And right there, it seems a bit paradoxical, doesn't it? It's like he starts off with like, now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? The implied answer is no one. But then in verse 14, he, he seemingly contradicts that because he writes, but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. So who's there to harm you for your zealous for doing good? No one. But if you do, like if there is someone, <laughs> you will be blessed. Right. So what we understand in those two things is that normally, regularly in most cases, when believers are passionate for doing good, the unbelieving hostile world generally accepts him, um, send relief all around the world, going to do disaster relief and things like that, even yeah. in hostile nations like Turkey and Syria, accepting organizations like Send Relief um, to help clear rubble and debris and everything uh -huh. else. They understand it's beneficial. Typically, most cases aren't persecuted, but doesn't eliminate it entirely. But he wants his readers to remember that. If they suffer for righteousness' sake, which isn't any for any reason, it's not for evil, wickedness, or sinfulness. It is specifically for living the way that God calls His people to live. 
he reminds us that we'll be blessed. And I think there's a an eschatological eschatological. What is that? <laughs> there's an eschatological view yeah. for this blessing, right? An end time view for this blessing. But then as you and I and Blake as Christians would attest, we know that that this refining isn't just for an end time. It it takes away our dependence on the world and increases our dependence on God in this life. Yeah. And those end time rewards are, are great as well. That's good. Uh, Blake, did you have any big takeaways from Sunday's message? Yeah. So um, I think Marcus hit the nail on the head. And I think what we have to look at here in Western culture is that typically uh, we, we don't, not that's one camp, but we don't experience uh, persecutions or we're not reviled or slandered uh, like what we see in Eastern culture, yeah. right? Not, not that it don't happen here. It does. Right. And what we have to understand is that there's, there's a, a spiritual persecution as well as a physical persecution, right? Um, the physical persecution, it, it, it generally comes from someone being spiritually broken or cut off from God, right? So we have to realize that uh, in this world, if we do good, right? He says, who is there to harm you? If I do good, typically in my life, no one's harmed me. Now, in the in the case that there's people who are jealous, or angry, uh, there's there's going to be situations where people are going to hate you for doing that which is righteous in the sight of God, right? And the perfect example of that is Christ Himself. Um, we actually see that um, because of the Pharisees, right? Like they were supposed to be the religious of that time, and they actually uh, persecuted him more than anyone, right? So. Um, I, Marcus actually, let me find it real quick. He referenced something out of Second uh, Corinthians chapter four. I want to read it real quick. He said, "So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison." And I believe in in the sermon he stated uh, this light, momentary affliction as being um, a sense of it's light, right? Like, like we experience it. Um, and, and emotionally we're, we're like, well, Hey, like this affliction that we're experiencing is it, it hurts. It's painful. Uh, but Paul talks about it being light and Marcus referenced in his, um, in his sermon on Sunday that he has a, um, I think an internal view of it, right? Mm -hmm. It's not a, it's not an earthly view. Right. And, and I think that if our focus and our minds aren't on Christ, we're so quick to have that carnal mindset. Right. But, being transformed by the renewing of our mind, we should understand, hey, this is like a broken and lost world. And uh, as we read through the Beatitudes, it says, blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, right? Yeah. So in the sense that we are uh, being afflicted and persecuted through ex external uh, reasons, right? Not not because of anything we did, right? Because uh, it goes on to talk about being pers uh, experiencing affliction because of your own sin. And in this case, we're not talking about experiencing affliction for our own sin, uh, but for the sins of others, right? So I think that um, if we can go into it, like Paul says, with an eternal perspective, right? Like what we're experiencing in on this earth right now, as far as persecution, uh, the weight, uh, people reviling us, people treating us in a way that we uh, don't deserve, right? I think if we're not careful uh, and we look at it carnally, I think that it will actually slow the process down. There goes my phone. 
it'll slow the process down of us being refined, right? Right. And I think the purpose in experiencing these calamities, right, is for the refining of our soul, right? Because here's the thing, Jesus experienced it at the highest level, right? And if he's our example and he says, hey, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. So I think that we have to look at it from an eternal perspective, like Marcus said. Yeah, referencing back to what you're saying from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, it's like, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Like this uh, verse, yeah, I mean, verse 14 there, but even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Like this is referencing back to his experience with Jesus at the Sermon on the Mount. And I really like what you said, Blake, about how that, that refining process, you know, like we, we experience these four hour, four hour refining, four hour endurance, as James is talking about, and how um, it gives our suffering meaning. And, you know, we've talked about different, the, the different contexts and scenarios for how they were experiencing suffering back then, or how maybe it was starting to grow in that context. And um, Peter's kind of looking around and seeing, okay, this is getting to be more and more hostile environment for the, the Christians. And he's kind of warning them. It's like, okay, like be zealous for what is good and most likely that's going to keep the world off your back but even if you should suffer for doing good like be ready for it and then he goes even to say it's like have no fear of them which is just crazy to me it's like you know sometimes it's there's a there's a difference between like enduring it and then also going as far as like having no fear of them and having no fear of what they can do Uh, because it may still be sometimes like you can endure some suffering, but then it's like you, you may be even more fearful of what they, what other things could happen. You know, you endure a little bit and then you, you're fearful of what else could happen. So Marcus, could you explain, um, expand on that uh, context a bit? Like, is it, are they in the midst of suffering when Peter's writing this or is like, is it growing persecution or? Well, it, it depends when you understand Peter to have written this letter yeah. chronologically. <clears throat> if it's in, if it's in the 60s, early 60s, then persecution in Rome hasn't began yet. Uh, or It's like they're on the brink of localized persecution under Emperor Nero in just Rome. Yeah. Um, and then I think it's sometime in the 80s, I believe it's AD 81, AD 81, that... Domitian begins his localized persecutions and and it starts to spread, right? So if, let's say, I understand Peter's letter to be dated in the 60s, um, which is what I believe. Can't go into all the reasons there, but anyways, I believe that that it's just before this. Yeah. So they're seeing the the social antagonism. They're seeing sort of the, the physical aspects of persecution beginning but again, with it being localized persecution, it was just in Rome and maybe only spread to a few other places there in the 60s, late or mid to late 60s, 70s in um, the first century. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and so then take us into like the verse um, verse 15. Like this is talking about the, the source and the, the reason why they can be, um, you know, that they can endure this suffering. Yeah, so... Before that, he's in the second part of verse 14, he's quoting Isaiah 8. Mm-hmm. Uh, Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. So when what we said, one of the principles there was when Jesus is big, others are small. When we maintain that eternal perspective, it doesn't make the, the suffering 
any more pleasant or any more painless or anything else. No, it, it still hurts. It still sucks. But it, like you said, it gives it purpose. And when we honor Christ the Lord as holy, that means lifting him up, lifting him high, him being number one in our hearts, always uh, focusing on on his glory, on his perfection, on his power, on all these wonderful things about Christ that we know and believe to be true, that we see in Scripture. And then finally, that inward hope, right? That The inward hope that's outwardly expressed. So when Jesus is regarded as holy in my heart, um, when I lift him high above all else, that inward hope is then outwardly expressed and it provokes questions or prompts questions. Yeah. So the point being, it's like, if we go into a room and it's pitch black and there's, let's say, you know, a power outage, right? Power goes out, you're in a gym, let's say, you turn on a light, people are going to come to the light. And in the same way, this is a, another way of Peter saying, hey, when you are, when you have the light of Christ living inside you, when you have this hope and it's animating your life, when it's informing and driving uh, your behaviors, your actions, your attitudes, people are going to be drawn to that and they're going to wonder yeah. how you can respond this way to persecution, how you can respond in this way to the, the trying circumstances of life. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that... That's, um, and like when Marcus always says, you know, like when we're talking about, um, scripture, uh, like understanding the theology in it, right. Number one. And then also understanding the application, how, how to apply that, what it looks like, uh, different situations, um, and trying to give like an example of how to carry that application out. I'll kind of give you like a rundown. So like years ago I had a, I had a, a friend that I worked with and, and at the time he, he wasn't a friend. He was just, uh, a coworker um, through through this process um, that we went through, and I call it a process because it was obviously something that the Lord had um, ordained beforehand, right? Um, and we we even see I'm going to kind of jump down right here. It says, "For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, mm-hmm. than for doing evil." Yeah. Um, and and uh, when I experienced this situation with this individual, I thought that I, I didn't look at it as a as a a situation that that God ordained, like He knew it was going to happen. Not not that He told these people, "Hey, go do all this evil stuff," but that He knew these people were going to do that. He put this individual in my life um, as a as an example for me to understand what it means to stand up for righteousness. Uh, because let's be honest, a lot of times, right? Even as Christians, and and I can speak for myself here, um, we'll face these situations, right? Um, and we will fold. Right, like we won't stand up for righteousness. We'll fold. Yeah. Uh, we get backed into a corner, and we cave and we give in to sin, or we give in to the wrong thing rather than that which is right in the sight of God. Yeah. Um, and I think that's common. However, there's forgiveness at the foot of the cross, so we can't forget that. Right. Uh, we've seen it, like even with uh, Pontius Pilate. Like I don't think he really wanted to find guilt in Christ, but he did it because he knew his job. Everything that he that he had was on the line. Um, if he went against that, right? Plus, it was the will of God. So, we had a situation at work where um, uh, some people got hurt. There were some bad accidents, and there were some malfunctions on some machinery. Yeah. Um, and when we when we got the the OSHA packet and the material in, 
Um, we were told to write a specific thing down. And the specific thing that they want us to write down is not the source of the accident, right? So um, a lot of times it's like, well, if I don't do this, right, like they're going to, like I'm going to get in trouble. Uh, management won't like me, right? This is the idea, right? But Jordan, the, uh, one of my good friends at the time, he stood up and he was like, no, man, I'm not going to stand here and write this down before God. And it's it's not true, right? And And because of him doing that, standing up for the right thing, uh, because God believes in, 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 in treating people with equality, right? We have to treat people the way they deserve to be treated. And if someone gets hurt and it's not the source of, uh, they're not the source of the problem, it's something else, yeah. um, then they should not be held accountable for that, right? So in this, in this situation, Jordan stood up for it and I just watched the, the, uh, the weight fall all over him, right? Like uh, management came down on him. Um, they ridiculed him, um, they, they demoted him, and they did everything in their in their power to, to just push him out. And, man, he stayed there, and he kept going. He kept standing up for what's right. I think that's a good example of, um, of what that looks like. And, and the reason he did it was because of his faith. He knew it was wrong. If I do this, it's wrong. This person does not deserve that. Um, and, and I see that, and I'm like, wow, man, like, you know, uh, if it were me, I probably would have folded, yeah. right? Like, so I think that that's like one, just one example. And that, that's kind of like on a small level, right? Um, we see people actually experiencing this to the point of death, right? Like Jesus to the point of death, even death on a cross. Yeah. Yeah. I was um, really surprised by that verse in Isaiah chapter eight. It's talking about like, but the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear and let him be your dread. Like that's the reference back there and he's one equating Christ back to the Lord of hosts, which is a, a whole nother topic for another day, which is just crazy. Um, but also the, the fact that like, like him, you shall fear and dread, like the, this reverence is what drives our ability to endure suffering. And we, we talk a lot in, in Christian circles about how, um, you know, Jesus is our brother. He's our friend. He's our savior and redeemer. Like we, we talk about that side of him and that is definitely true and especially true after he has accomplished salvation for us on the cross and with, with his resurrection. However, um, I think sometimes we, we miss that, that reverence a little bit. And when we are worried about our circumstances and when we, um, you know, distrust God with, you know, things that are coming, coming about us and when we don't really trust him in the midst of suffering, that's all that can be, um, you know, a lack of reverence for him. And so yeah. we need to esteem both his, his like revere him as holy it, like um i read a thing today it was talking about like this is referencing back to you know hallowed be thy name in the yeah. in the the lord's prayer and um, like put him above every other thing in your life and like the suffering even though it does come you're able to endure it and so i thought that was um, just a, such a powerful source for us as we look forward and then um like like you said marcus it's just really cool seeing it's like People are going to ask, you know, the, the light's going to come on for people and then we need to be ready for that reason to hope. And so what do you, what do you guys think that means there? Um, the next couple of verses down, is this uh, apologetic in nature, like um, seeking that out? Or I, I don't know what, how you referenced it's, it in your sermon. It's a call to apologetics. The word there to make a defense is apologia in the Greek. And it, it refers to like a technical sense where you're making a, a formal defense in a courtroom. Yeah. 
however, here and a few other places in the New Testament, it's used informally to talk about just um, providing a response to somebody uh, against a claim or a critique or a question. Uh, obviously, here the context is anybody who, who asks, who inquires about the hope that's in you, and that hope just being the hope in eternal life, the hope in Christ, the hope of the gospel, like that's the hope. Little word for something that means a lot, or it, it really just encompasses a lot, I guess I should say. But anyways, yeah, it's 110%. This is one of those texts um, where people justify the uh, justify apologetics um, from this and yeah. another passage or so in the, in the New Testament, but it's in Colossians. Anyways, the point being this, um, what this assumes is that Christians have an understanding of the basics of the Christian faith. So in the first century, you obviously had polytheism that was rampant. It was created by myth, uh, Greco-Roman mythology, Greek mythology, Roman mythology, all these different gods. It was all story, all myth, like myth. I can't emphasize that enough. It's myth. (laughs) And people believed it, right? So how would you defend Greco-Roman mythology? Well, you would tell the story, and then look at. Then you would point to examples like, look at the statues, look at this natural disaster, look at this, look at that. Yeah. Right. This is why we do X, Y, and Z. Then you had mysticism, which was like more experiential. It was like, you know, you have to experience this. Drink the Kool Aid, and you know, you'll get all this knowledge. You'll get all this wisdom. You'll understand what I understand. Um, and feel what I feel. Like, don't you feel that? Don't you feel that? I want you to feel. Anyways, it's it, it. what Peter's saying here, to make a defense, always be prepared to make a defense. One, because the world's always watching. And two, this distinguishes um, Christianity from the religions of its day. The fact that, that he expects believers to be able to articulate a logical defense for Christianity, it it. it completely or it completely separates them from both of those extremes. Um, but again, he assumes that his readers have a basic grasp on what Jesus has done um, and really the the grand scheme of redemption or the the meta narrative that we talk about so often. when you when you think about like this whole really this this whole from 13 to 17 where Marcus preached on, Sunday, when I read this, and, and we actually discussed this beforehand as well, um, this is like a call to evangelism. It's a, it's a call to evangelize. Uh, I was telling Marcus, you know, in the gospel, uh, Jesus says, you're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Um, and here's the reality. If Jesus himself tells us that we're the light of the world, uh, he's telling us right there that, hey, man, I'm going to use you, right? Like, And yeah. I think in the in this situation of understanding the text, under reading it in the right context, and like I love how Marcus, when he first said it, he said, hey, man, if you do good, like, there, like it doesn't mean bad things are going to come on you, but there is instances where you do things that are good and you will receive bad things. It could yeah. go either way, right? So I think that in the process of experiencing that, um, and if we submit to that authority, I think, man, that's the time where we really, you know, are being used for people to get drawn to the Lord, right? Um, I mean, he didn't save us to sit still. Yeah. 
Um, you know, we walk by faith, right? We don't sit by faith. So I think the experience um, of, of going through through this fire, you know, whatever you want to call it, people are like, walk through the fire. You know, I told Marcus about a year ago that, you know, I prayed that the Lord will throw me in the fire, right? Like, I don't pray for that no more, right? Like, it's uncomfortable. <laughs> but um, seriously, it's not something, yeah. Like, As I we're mean, singing about, like, refining ourselves every on Sunday. Time. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. the thing is, those songs are so connected to or um, they correspond so well with with what we're going to be studying. Yeah, you know, each week this epistle through and through is about uh, about suffering. So it it makes sense. But if we don't slow down, they're just empty words. Yeah, that's good. That's yeah. Awesome. So uh, closing out our our time here today, I did want to just kind of make it a little more practical. Uh, going back to always being prepared. Like, what would you say is the best way to always be prepared to to make that defense for people? Sanctify the Lord as holy in your hearts, or honor Christ the Lord as holy in your hearts. When He's number one, right? When when He is before everything else in attention, value, worship, all things, right? Like when He's number one, not only does it minimize the uh, temporal temporal problems of the world, the existential problems that we face. I'm trying to like get into relatable yeah. language. When Jesus is number one in our hearts, when he's big, others are small, it it minimizes the appearance of our day-to-day struggles or our day-to-day suffering because it it keeps us looking over into eternity with him in his presence. So then when it comes to, like, that's step one. And then getting in the Word, right? Getting in the Word, praying, and knowing, right? Like, there, it blows my mind. Um, I forgot. Maybe you all have heard it, but there's a sermon that I listened to a while ago. And, you know, this guy, this pastor, he's making this illustration, and he's like, you know, you, uh, you go to a job site, and— this this guy's laying bricks. He's, you know, been laying bricks for 40 years. And you give him a new trainee, you know, the new guy on the job, and he can't teach him a thing. Like, you've been laying bricks for 40 years, and you can't teach anybody else a thing. You've probably been doing it poorly for 40 years. Yeah. Like, you know, you've been walking with the Lord forever, but, like, you can't instruct anybody else. You can't make a reasonable defense to those who ask you probably haven't been doing it right. And then in the same way, it's like there are people who have been walking with the the Lord for a shorter amount of time um, who have, you know, just dove in head first um, and just seen sort of the, the reality that we, we have a credibility crisis in the world, the church does, um, and we partly deserve it. But it's because we don't spend enough time in the word actually knowing. And then there's this like pendulum back and forth. So sorry. Honor Christ the Lord is holy in your heart. Pray, get in the word, study it deeply, study some arguments, and do it with gentleness and respect. That's another thing. You can you can make a defense to be right and win an argument, or you can make a defense to win someone to the Lord. Yeah. Two different approaches. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think Marcus hit the nail on that when he was, when he was talking about winning an argument, um, 
if you win an argument, you really win nothing, right? Uh, you, uh, he said it before, you both lose. And I think the ultimate goal, man, um, number one, like Marcus says, pray and obviously read in the Word because um, if we want to know the Lord and His characteristics um, and we want to understand the way He works, read the Word, right? Like that's the best way to do it, read the Word. Uh, there's, there's an endless amount of stuff we can learn by reading the Word and the characteristics of the Lord, which His characteristics never change. And, um, and obviously fearing the Lord, knowing, knowing who he is, when you know who the Lord is, cause you've experienced him, um, within you, you know, and, and you've experienced the transformation, you're set apart, you're redeemed, you're being sanctified and you're experiencing that on a personal lever, level, um, it's going to manifest itself out, right? Like you're going to carry that out. Yeah. And, and the goal, the object of knowing the Lord personally and being refined, um, because you're his workmanship created for good works, right? The purpose in that is to be used to glorify his name, right? Not just to glorify his name, but also so outsiders can see your good works because of what the Lord stirred up in you. And ultimately, that can lead them to salvation in Christ. And yeah. and I think that's the ultimate. What we see from this, from doing this, all of, all of Scripture, from submitting to the authority of the Scripture and to the Lord Jesus Christ, what we see is pe- people coming to salvation. Yeah. That's what we see. So that's good. Shoot. I think that's a good place to end. I'll also update Marcus, how, how we feeling after standing up the whole time. Great. Yeah. How I the, could run a marathon. Yeah. How, how are the legs? <laughs> Excellent. Nice. Just do some squats while you're standing there too. I he, did that this morning. It's my back. It's not, my legs are always fine, but my back, it, yeah. Anyways. Doesn't yeah. Matter. That, that back pain, man. No <laughs> joke. No yeah. joke. All right. Well, listener, thank you so much for joining us today that we hope that you were blessed by this conversation. Um, Marcus, where can they reach out if they have any questions, comments, anything like that? Well, I was just going to say I was I was doing my thousand sit up and <laughs> <laughs> I broke my back. <laughs> Spinal. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, Josh X. Richards at gmail.com. He would go. love all of your emails, questions, comments and concerns. Um, he also has a PayPal and Venmo and Cash App and <laughs> wherever you want to send your money electronically, he's trying to get a jet so he can travel around the world <laughs> spreading the gospel at the convenience of... Uh, yeah, there, there it is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. All right. Well, listener, thank you so much again. You can join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. at City Church in Gainesville, Wednesdays, 6 p.m. for... Um, all things discipleship related, youth, kids, adults, come on. We'd love to have you. But uh, listener, until next time.